0: Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Tiger, the publisher of buffstampede.com on the 24-7 Sports Network, joined by football analyst William Gardner. William, the, the season is so close, you can taste it. And unfortunately, Week 0 for college football wasn't much of an appetizer, not, not much to, to really enjoy from an entertainment value, uh, which is kind of unfortunate that that Arizona State-Colorado Week 0 game didn't take place. That, that would have been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I think, but I think that the hype and the build up to this TCU game is is even better without it. I don't know, you know, who knows? I think the extra week that this team needs to get to get ready for a game is good, but uh, you know, the, the way it's played out with uh, all the hype being on this being the opener for uh, Prime and against the, the team from last year that was in the playoffs and such, I, it's turned into such a huge game. I think it's worked out pretty
0: well. And I say the season is so close, you can taste it also because, William, I've already figured out what barbecue spot I'm going to hit up out there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I'm ready
1: to go. And I'm looking at some of the goofy stuff coming up on the board, and I'm thinking the same thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So we have some topics to get into, and then this is going to be a pretty mailbag-heavy show. I'm just curious what your thoughts were as you pound caffeine back there. You're going to be raring to go here. What were the surprises and disappointments of camp in your eyes?
1: Um, I don't know that there are a lot. Obviously, the the primary, the big, huge disappointment is Tyler Brown, and I think the NBA, NCAA did him wrong. And you know, somebody out there ought to have a little bit of um <clears throat> decency and compassion, what have you. I think that's you know, is it a huge loss? I think it's a pretty damn big loss to us, but I think it's even, even well what it just really makes me sad for him because I think he's on a track to maybe play at the next level and he needed to play this year. And now he's got to you know, he's, he's got to keep working and figure it out and be ready for next year. And I think that's just too bad. So that, that's a huge disappointment to me. I was really looking forward to watching him and uh, Lichtenhan on that left side, push people around. So that's, that's the the single biggest disappointment, I would say. Um, And aside from that, I, I don't know. If there's a whole lot else that comes to mind as far as disappointments. I think um, uh, I was trying to think what what other kind of things were surprising to me. I think the uh, JJ Mitchell, the linebacker showing up out of the blue uh, from came from Tennessee and via Arizona State was kind of a somewhat of a surprise last week to me, at least. Maybe it wasn't a surprise to everybody else, but I think that's a, a really big addition. Might not be a huge addition the first couple of weeks but you know by mid-season I think he's going to be somebody that really makes a makes an addition for us so I don't know everything else kind of played out the way we sort of thought it would I guess um what do you think
0: in terms of surprises I I feel like this team's pass rush going into camp you thought it was it was going to be improved right they were dead last in the country last year in terms of getting after the quarterback. Uh, But didn't know, was this going to just be kind of an average pass rush type defense or have a chance to be a a pretty darn good one? And and I think it's elevated itself with some guys stepping up there. Kyrie Mance has stepped up. You look at some of the guys like Bishop Thomas that can get a pass rush from the interior. Some guys that I feel can, you know, really create problems in opposing backfields. And so I, I feel better about that, that D-line edge group, even Tajay McCoy, a true freshman coming in that William, you and I were both really high on coming in here and for him to create the buzz that he has. So that's one area. Obviously, the disappointment, like you pointed out, is yeah. Tyler Brown. That NCAA just can't let common sense get in the way of, of a wrong decision once again. And he leaves Louisiana because a father figure that recruited him there passes away in front of him. And then he leaves Jackson State because his head coach comes to Colorado, and that—that's a case where it, it should be a slam dunk that he should be able to play right away. If again you're letting common sense rule these well, I, these decisions,
1: yeah. And I always felt like if you change levels, you know, like you went from the J- Jackson State level up to CU, or if you went from CU down, you ought to be able to play automatically either way. Because if you go down a level, you know, it's like well, you know, I don't know. It, 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 you, you're, you're, you're moving down and you're at a le- lower level. You ought not to be penalized for that. And if you're moving up and you're going to take a chance at, at playing against a higher level of competition, you ought not to be penalized for that, too. Seems to me that the well, first of all, you know, it, it's the same thing we've been saying for 50 years. A coach can leave whenever he damn well pleases. There's no penalty whatsoever, but a kid leaves and he gets penalized a season. It's ridiculous and stupid. It's, it's why we get why we end up with things like NIL and whatever because. You know, they can't make a common sense decision that makes any sense, so uh, it gets taken into other hands. So, you know, at the end of the day, NCAA gonna get a stake driven through its heart at some point because this is the kind of stupid crap they do every year. But that's
0: that's a great point, though, because JUCO players can transfer into a four year institution and play right Right. away, and some of those JUCOs play football that's pretty on you know, quality with some of the yeah. FCS stuff yeah. out there. Yeah. So that yeah. doesn't make any sense that there would be yeah. a difference in terms of eligibility between those two levels jumping up to, to power five. Right. Going back to the, you know, the pass rush thing, you know,
1: Taj McCoy was a, guy, was a guy that's jumped out to me in the summer from the videos going against, you know, saw one one rep going against Tank and looking pretty good and you and he could clearly see that burst and that quickness. So that one doesn't surprise me so much. The other side of what you're saying though is they're going against our offensive line. What do we take from that? Do we have a problem on offensive line? I don't really think so, but you never can tell so much when you're in camp and you're going against each other, you know, or when we go against a good, well, okay. See now I almost said, again, when you go against a good offensive line, but I think we're going to have a good offensive line. um, It's always hard for me to know exactly what to take from camp when we're going against ourselves,
0: it's a good point. Even Sean Lewis said when I asked him about this offensive line, he said, you know, it's wait and see. We got to see what it looks yeah. like on game day, because uh it's one thing to uh, base your assumptions, like you said, off the practice field. Another thing when you're going up against somebody else. So that that's right. this is always the point of the preseason where it's we've talked Every position to death, and it, right. yeah, it, it is time to see them match up against somebody else. But I would yeah. be surprised if the pass rush is not pretty solid for Colorado this year. It, it's great that Tajay McCoy, as a breakout freshman, isn't a guy that you project in the starting lineup or yeah. that's going to have a huge role. You just kind of get excited about his potential for a few plays this year and for the future, and so. That goes to show you. uh, I didn't even mention Arden Walker, another guy, a a feel good story coming back here to Colorado that's made quite a few plays off the edge. We knew Derek McClendon, the second, was going to be a a good player there as well. And and Jordan Dominic, obviously, Shane Coke. So uh, there's so many guys that that can, uh, you know, rack up somewhere between three and eight sacks, probably, that I think they're going to have a good pass rush as a team.
1: And it wouldn't shock me if one of them hit 10 or, you know, 11. you know, when you've got more guys that can, ru- con- and it may seem contrary to common sense, but when you have more guys that can rush the passer, it's easier for one guy to get more sacks because they're trying to, you know, scheme to to stop everybody. But uh, you know, and it's interesting to me. Uh, we're kind of seeing how this de- defense is developing, and it's interesting to me that there seems to look be looking at like a probably like a, more often not a nickel situation, but McClendon more with a more of a hand on the ground, mm-hmm. almost like a, a lineman. Uh, situation and he seems to be doing pretty well with that which yeah. gives you the opportunity to stand up a couple of guys on the edge and really get after people
0: so I did my starting lineup predictions on buffstampede.com on Saturday I ended up having to make a change there just one um, in putting Landon BB in the starting offensive line group because he was with the first team on their scrimmage on Saturday so I made one tweak there did, did you happen to get a chance to look at that any thoughts in terms of what my predictions are and maybe uh yeah. where you would veer away from that
1: uh if you want to go you want to go kind of through positions or or
0: did you not, want- not necessarily was there anything that you that you disagreed with in there
1: um I have let me let me pull it back up I mean I don't you know I think that that you know people are making a big deal out of uh BB and Bailey and Wiltie um I think Wilty's. My opinion, Wilty's the better of the three, uh, but you know, there's not a, there's not a. I wouldn't say there's a huge difference between them. It would, it it would surprise me to some extent if Bailey was the starter. Quite frankly, I think, although it wouldn't, because he's also been with O'Boyle for three years, and O'Boyle knows what he has there, and and he knows the offense. Um, but then, BB's a, just a, a thicker, you know, bigger, a little bit more physical guy. So that could go either way. It wouldn't be a drop off or a loss either way. I, I, I do think they're both uh, somewhat of a step down from Tyler Brown, but I think they're both going to be very solid at, the, at a guard spot. So uh, who starts a week from, um, well, a week from yesterday uh, in Dallas? I don't know. You know, just because baby started yesterday, I mean, he starts on Saturday. So we'll see. So I, I think that one's interesting. Um, and then uh, – I think you're kind of off the ball, off the wall there with the quarterback prediction that, that Sanders guy, (laughs) I think he's
0: starting. I was like, the only, the only commentary I could put in here is okay. What are the single season records at Colorado? Cause that's where the discussion is at the quarterback position entering this 2023 season. Right. Right. You know, and, 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 and,
1: you know, the, 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 the the running back choice is interesting because I guess it, I guess I, I guess I sort of see Dylan Edwards as a, I, I, and I don't, I'm not of a practice, I don't know how they're running the offense. If they have a starting running back or he seems to me like a guy that you stick in there at different situations to put him in uh, mismatched situations. Uh, so maybe Hank might I – mean, I don't know if it makes a difference, quite frankly, who's the starter or running back because you're going to bounce him in at different situations for different reasons anyway. Um, so maybe you, you might be the guy that gets the first play of the game do you get the most plays of the game, most carries? Who knows? I don't know that it really matters
0: all that much. Um, and then, well, hopefully, Coach Flea kind of rides that hot hand, right? I think is right. the strategy you want to go with with having so much depth at that position. If a guy, obviously, you're not going to wear them out, but if a guy clearly has it that day, then he becomes that feature back for right. that Saturday.
1: Right, you keep you keep going with the guy that's that, that's making the, the big plays and what have you, you know. And if a guy's if a guy's hot, and then you take him out, when you need to take him out, you know. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm looking back through everything here, and and I mean, there's really nothing controversial about any of your picks, to be honest with you. They're all they're all pretty reasonable, and um, we'll see what happens. I think we have some real depth at some of these positions for once. You know, it's like we're talking about a pass rush and. Uh, <clears throat> I almost feel like as a CU fan, Hey board, let me explain what a pass rush is because you haven't seen one <laughs> in so long. <laughs> so uh, that would be such a change and such a difference in this team. I think that uh, um, that's exciting. And, and I also think that the, you know, it's not, it's not like 20 years ago when an offense and a defense did this and this, and that was what they do. Now things you know, you're in the nickel, you're in a dime, you're uh, spread, you've got a tailback, maybe you got no back. And so the offenses and the defenses are changing uh, up what they're doing so much. Um, really, uh, you know, from series to series that uh, who's starting and who's not. The only the only place that where starters, I think, end up being the same guys that play most of the plays is the offensive line.
0: Oh, how concerned on a scale of 1 to 10 are you about – the lack of depth at offensive tackle because i came into camp worried about the defense line depth and to me with some of those guys stepping up uh derek mcclennan you know working his way with sincerity's group primarily i actually think that they're gonna be okay there probably but if something happens to tank or saving on washington uh, you're gonna have to play a guy out of position most likely at tackle
1: yeah, I think probably. I don't know what I, you know. I mean, I, I I am very confident that Bill O'Boyle is working on this and has a plan and is is working guys to get them better. You know, your most obvious guy you'd like to see have it all click together is Isaiah Jada, and, and um, you know, there's a couple of those other uh, Reggie Young, maybe I don't know, but I think if somebody went down today, you probably sl- slide Wiltie out to right tackle and move Washington to left tackle would be my first thought but i'm not out there watching him every day to see who has what skills and what have you but Wilty does have the size and the length and he's played out there um i don't think you know somebody mentioned bb he just too squatty and short to play at tackle he just gets swum and swum and swum because he's just not tall enough and long enough but uh it's a concern but i don't know you know you look at it in a variety of different ways. I mean, you know, if we're sitting here talking, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping to have a 10 win season, it'd be a huge concern, but, um, you know, look at how many seasons in the last five or six, 10 years, we weren't sure we had two tackles to begin with starters, you know, and look how bad our tackles have been the last few years. Um, although both of them look like they're going to be starting a P five this year, I think that had to do with coaching and scheme or whatever, but, um, I don't know knock on wood tackles not a position where guys go down a whole lot it seems like in my recollection um so we'll cross our fingers and hope for the best and bill O'Boyle's just got to keep working to, to uh, develop those guys and and have a plan you know to, to fix it i mean that that's the nature of football really is you got to have somebody to be able to step in there and come up with a plan to make it better i also go back to the fact that that this, uh, this offense is offensive line friendly, and I don't know that people really understand that. You know, if I could sit down and, and show film and, and X's and O's on the board, I could explain that to people. But there are offenses that are offensive line friendly, and then there's what we've had for 10 years, which is not wide receiver friendly or quarterback friendly or anything friendly. I don't know what the hell it was friendly to. It was friendly to the defense, I suppose. But um, uh, I don't know. Is it a concern? We'll see. Fingers crossed, you know, uh, if, uh, you know, Washington and tank make it through the season, it's not, it's not unprecedented for both tackles to make it through the season. Um, I'm thinking back to 2016 and, uh, uh, I recall, I can't remember there was Shane Callahan and there was other kid on the inside, um, who really saved our bacon, but it was at garden center. We didn't really have any troubles with the tackles that year. So we'll see what happens, I guess.
0: Yeah, they uh, even we, rotated Aaron Hagler in that year as yeah, uh, as a yeah. third tackle. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, uh, what I like more depth? Well, sure, yeah. You know, I'd like to have four future NFL draft picks a tackle on our team. You know, a couple sophomores and a couple seniors every single year. Let's, let's let's do it that way. Everybody on board with that, you know, but we don't have that. we got to – you know – as an offensive line coach, especially, you know, at lower levels than power five, it was always, it was always a, uh, you know, you were always trying to find five guys and God forbid a guy got hurt. You're always trying to think about who's my next guy up. If somebody goes down and, you know, I'm going to take this guy, and he's going to go over there and put a guy in and, and it is, its you know, no other position coach really has to deal with so many positions at the same time, and they all have to work together. Fit like you know, you may have four wide receivers out there, but they don't all have to work together. They got to you know, to kind of do different things, and you always have to be ready. You know, most seasons you're you're just trying to find five guys that are starters, and you know, a, a top backup is a luxury um, at most levels. But uh, we'll just have to cross our fingers and hope for the best. But yeah, it's a legit concern.
0: Let's jump into our perceived strengths and weaknesses for this team as we get close to the opener. Strengths, you got to start with Shadu Sanders, right? I mean, a smart, accurate, athletic when he needs to be quarterback, and that combination we haven't had at that position in Boulder in, in quite some time.
1: Let me ask you this. You know, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of this chirping about um, – good. Are you pounding more caffeine over there, by the way? Oh, no, this, is, this is protein now. So like, can. You know, okay. A
0: little,
1: <laughs> little bit of caffeine, a little bit of protein. You know, I'm uh, got to get my liquid nutrition in. Um, you know, we had a wedding on a Friday. It's been a tough, uh, a little bit tiring wearing out a couple of days. So you
0: hey, know. you do you do whatever you need to do over there. Yeah. I just I I was wondering if we were gonna get uh William on speed here by the end of uh well let me reach down to the lower
1: lower desk drawer and get the bourbon out we'll get re- we'll get ready to roll.
0: So. <laughs> All right. Like I said, you do whatever you need yeah. to do.
1: <laughs> but I think you know, I've seen a little bit of this chirping about you know it's gonna be different at the power five level and can he handle this? And I'm wondering your thoughts on that. I mean, you know, I, I will never Sit here and pretend to be a quarterback expert. Um, but I do think he's he's pretty special.
0: Well, I think there's going to be a couple throws in there where uh he goes, Okay, yeah, that I, I could get away with that before I can't now. But the first thing I said about Shadur Sanders was how smart he is as a quarterback, and he's going to pick up on that really quick. And All right well, when you got guys like Travis Hunter and Xavier Weaver that are. Elite, elite 50-50 ball guys, they're going to come down with that. And so he'll take his calculated risks. But I think, um, again, another strength is just explosiveness at that receiver position and guys that that can come down when you take that risk with the ball.
1: Don't you think also, I mean, you know, when when you're when you're facing a, a Travis Hunter in practice every day you don't have a lot of margin for error against some of the guys we've got in our secondary now. So it's not like he's going in blind, like he's not seeing it.
0: That's true. Yeah. He's got, gotten those practice reps against the lead power five corner. So, yeah. Yeah. that, that you know. yeah.
1: And I think, again, you know, like I talked about, like, like, um, you know, I, I I guess I'm in a little, little happy mood today, but uh, explaining to the board what a pass rush is, I feel like we need to explain to them good quarterback play. Here's what a good quarterback play means because you ain't seen it, and what a difference it makes. Um, you know, in 2016, I would say we had uh, we we had a we had a smart offense that used the the the, the strength of that quarterback, but that wasn't necessarily a quarterback centric offense except when we would put it on his shoulders and run behind him on on the snakes and what have you. But um, to have a quarterback who can really pick apart a defense and with the weapons we've got here um you know we're talking about strengths strengths and weaknesses of this team this team has a lot of strengths from my perspective you know and i mean wide receiver if, if there's if there's 10 better wide receiver groups in the country i'd be surprised than what we got you know and so you combine that with a good quarterback and get the offensive line going and then you know what we have a running back as a strength um you know hopefully the offensive line is at least not a liability, but uh, there are a lot of strengths. I, I think this offense is going to move the ball and score a lot of points and be pretty pretty exciting to watch.
0: In terms in- of weaknesses, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is just run defense in general. I'm not sure that's going to be the strength of this. You know, you got a guy like Vonta Bentley that, that can be uh, a good run stuffer, but just in general, again, going back to an earlier point you made of This team going against each other there's been a lot of explosive plays by the running backs and yeah there's a lot of talent at running back but when Dylan loose Dylan Edwards is breaking loose that many times you do wonder about okay how good is this run defense going to be
1: well and you know and and you know yeah and you can't answer it because maybe maybe Dylan Edwards really is that guy you know you know and Let's we'll see if he does it for three or four times against TCU. Which I'll be perfectly honest, they're not going to be a defensive juggernaut by any means. They weren't last year, and they're certainly not going to be this year with everything they lost to the NFL. But uh, so, yeah, I think you know we'll see. You know, we'll see. I think we got some good some good linemen and some good linebackers, and it will be really kind of up to Kent Kelly to uh, scheme it in such a way. But you know, I've heard all the right things about you know run fits and getting the right gap and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I hear for example, um, uh, Sal Sinceri, who who's rapidly becoming my favorite coach ever, uh, really, really pound it. You know, you gotta have a run fit and he's not, he's not just talking about being in the right gap. He's talking about having a hand in the right place and, and, you know, a shoulder in the right place and, and doing all the right things. And so you've got coaches that are pushing that and you got, you know some linebackers. I think we got some pretty decent linebackers and some good speed. Um, so I don't know. You know, yeah. Uh, again, is it, is because our running backs are pretty darn good, or maybe our offensive line is good. I don't know. But uh, there's some guys. I tell you this, Bishop Thomas is going to be a star. Uh, don't know how long it's going to take. Might might be right from the start. But he and Shane Cox are going to be a, a, a uh, a potent, um, team in there.
0: I think you have any other thoughts on in terms of weaknesses, strengths for this team?
1: Well, you know, everybody's talked about it and I think it's true that the depth may be an issue. You know, we don't have the number of scholarships. I don't know that the number of scholarships is necessarily the thing automatically, you know, when you have 85, scholarships a third of them are probably guys that are not going to be able to play right they've,
0: they've had less depth with 85 scholarship players right, than right, they do right, right now right.
1: yeah right and all these guys you know it's like all, all, every almost everybody on the roster there's a couple you know the the big offensive tackle from florida can't play obviously with the pec tear but i think he's going to be a good one down the road but almost all these guys they brought in are guys that have been around and played a little bit of football at this at the college level so Um, there's guys you can turn to, and sometimes you don't know whether you got depth until you need to, you know, like, you know, I don't even want to say it, but let's say something happens and we throw Jada in at one of those tackles. Maybe he gets the job done. I don't know. You know I mean? Hell, the guy had talent. There's a reason we brought him here in the first place. Um, and sometimes a guy doesn't step it up until you, um, you know, it's just like in a military, you know, the American military works because the next guy up does the damn job, you know? you know, somebody goes down and, you know, you know, when you talk about injuries and what have you in the military, you're talking about a much different thing. And the next guy up needs to be able to step in. And, and, and that's been the greatness of the American military is that, is that, uh, you know, the next guy up knows how to do the first guy's job. And I do believe that whoever we put on the field will know how to do their job. Will they have the physical and athletic ability to do it? We'll find out when the time comes, but, um, uh, yeah, I think I don't know. I think depth is. I, I'm not sure. I would go so far as to call it a weakness. It's not a strength. So that's one thing. Tight end is an interesting thing. It's like we don't have we don't have any. Well, we don't really have a tight end right now that's a real power five tight end that would have got a scholarship anywhere. But then it's not a position we use a lot in the, in the offense, and they're and they're figuring it out and they're working around it.
0: In Caleb Fourier will be will once be. will be if right. if not I mean, he deserves some good luck in terms of right. that injury bug. Lord. that's been kind of ridiculous what he's had to deal with since coming here. Uh, you've suggested this, William. so I'm gonna did you have one other thought there? yeah I, I, it,
1: it 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 occurred to me something actually we missed a boat on this a second ago because there is a there is one really big obvious glaring strength in neat big neon letters, and I'm gonna use the word neon for a reason the strength of this team is this coaching staff and everybody who doesn't see it doesn't know football doesn't know what the hell they're talking about this coaching staff is going to win some games because they know what the hell they're doing and, it, and it's both how they develop players and you know the dumbest saying in football is it's 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 the jimmies and the joes not the x's and the o's well that's a load of crap it, because if that's so great go out and get yourself 22 nfl guys without a coach and let them go out and play and see how they do um But one of the really significant strengths of this team is going to be this coaching staff, because I'm super impressed with what I've seen so far, both in terms of down into the details of teaching technique and positions, but also scheming and everything else. And so uh, also motivation, they're just, you know, they're just all masterful at the motivation issue. And so I really think that that's going to be a strength of this team.
0: I heard the notion recently that halftime adjustments are overrated I feel like though having covered this football program for 20 years, that uh I'd say BS on that. Cause yeah. there's been a lot of years where it's really clear the other team has a better plan coming out of coming right. out of the locker room. And so last year that, see you. Yeah. It's so if, if like you said, this coaching staff is indeed a, a huge strength, uh, th- that's gonna have to be part of the the formula for them to have success is being able to uh, it, it just even be on the level of the other team in terms of adjustments would be a, a change around right, here.
1: Right. And also, you know, th- there are, you know, certainly there are situations where you don't have enough talent that anything you do is not going to make a difference right now. I think we have to be realistic about where we are. If we're going to go out and get on the field against Georgia and and, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, I'm going to bring this back up in a minute. But, you know, if our opener was against Georgia, we'd all be talking a different tune. OK, if we don't have the talent to play with that team. I don't give a damn who coaches us. Right, not now. Um, and but you know, I've I've done this enough times that I've gone in at halftime and got our coaches staff together. Whether I was coaching offense or defense, and said, "Look, here's what we're seeing in the first half. Here's what we do in the second half," and it's worked. Right? Um, you know, uh, in a lot of different ways. And so uh, it, it's not it's not irrelevant. Anybody who thinks that doesn't know the game.
0: You posed this topic suggestion, William, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on it because. I don't know if I've been paying close enough attention to have much of a take, but you you were looking at kind of the banter back and forth between TCU and CU fans on the message boards right now. And you posed the question, is either side delusional or is the truth somewhere in the middle? Uh, usually things are, are somewhere in the middle, right? And maybe that's the case here, but uh, – I think TCU fans, from what I can gather, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I, I'm not scouring their message board every day, but it sounds like they think they're just going to steamroll Colorado, whereas Colorado fans either think it's going to be a really close game or that Colorado is going to be able to pull off this upset. Is that what you have gathered?
1: Yeah, that's what I've seen. And, you know, I'm not the one, you know, um, there's a couple guys on the board that keep they're posting stuff from the other boards, and I've stopped looking at that thread because I just don't want to see it. but um what, it, what appears to me is that you've got the vast majority of, well, I don't know, maybe maybe it's not the vast majority, maybe, maybe it's the squeaky wheel gets the grease or whatever, you know, and, and it's, it, it, it's the overconfident ones that are making all the noise. But all I'm seeing from TCU fans is, you know, these idiotic like 50 to 10 predictions or whatever. And, and from what I've seen, um, if TCU fans are not concerned about this game, they're delusional because – you know, if if they're really thinking a blowout, look, it wasn't a blow. Depends on how you define term blowout, but you know, it was a tight game going in the second half last year, and we were a crap team. We were so bad, we we. If there was a worse team in America than us at the Power Five level last year, I'd like to know who it was. Um, and yet they had to, you know, struggle and and really make adjustments that have to win that game. Um, we are, you know, one of the things I was going to say is that. Earlier, when we we're talking about um, uh, strengths and weaknesses and surprises and disappointments, is the one thing that you just have to throw in the trash is comparison to last year. You you and I, what I was thinking is you mentioned early our pass can is going to be better than last year. Well, everything's going to be better than last year. You know, a dead elephant will be better than last year uh, because that team was so bad at everything. Um, the question is, you know. Where where how much better are we going to be than an average team? You know, uh, because I really think, you know, the, the standard we need we're looking at is like six and six, right? Are we a six and six team or are we better than six and six team? Um, and I think we're clearly better, or we're clearly at least a six and six team. Um, and anybody who doesn't see that, and and all I can do is look at who's got what coming back and who lost what. And and uh TCU had a A 2016 CU season last year. They had a unicorn. You know, they they that uh Dykes walked into a situation, you know, they lucked into a quarterback. They had ridiculous talent. The number of guys drafted off that team or getting free agent contracts was huge. Uh, you know, I mean their offensive line is gonna be significantly different this year. Their receivers are gonna be different. They you know, they got a couple linebackers that are in the NFL now, and there is no way they're not Oklahoma or or Georgia or Alabama, they are not a, or replace all those kind of guys, kind of program. They might be, you know, in a year or two. Um, but, uh, they are not going to be back at that level. They're just not. Uh, and they had a lot of things bounce their way to get, you know, all 10, 11, 12, whatever, how many ever wins they got, but, um, are they going to get all those bounces this year? Well, you know, it's in my experience in football, it, you know, it doesn't happen that year that way every year. Um, They got a brand new offensive coordinator. So I think there's just so many changes on that team and not for the better. And then you, there are so many changes on this team and they're all for the better. Uh, And I think a lot of people are looking at that, at at CU and and all they can see is one eleven. And if that's all you can see, you need to shut your pie hole because you don't know what you're talking about. You haven't done the homework to understand what is going to go on the field on this team and i think there's a lot of people that just don't like deon sanders and a lot of people oh you know it's going to be his first time coaching at the power five level. so what is, is there like like something about the power five level that the other team gets an extra thing that he doesn't get that he at the at, it's football man there's 11 guys on the field you know there's a change there's a difference in size and strength and speed of everybody but you know for the most part we're not going to be playing the top 10 in the country so we'll see what happens but i do think that what i've seen so far uh some of these predictions of you know them scoring what they all they only hung 38 on us with the worst defense in the country last year how are they going to get to 55 this year with a with a better defense from cu i you know i'm not trying to be Buff colored, black and gold glasses. I'm just trying to look at the reality of it. I just don't see how that could happen. How are you gonna hang? How are you gonna hang 55 on Travis Hunter, man? I, explain it to me. I, I I don't get it.
0: I love your rants. Yeah, I just tee it up and and <laughs> and, and you hit it 300 yards. Uh, yeah, I, I mean I don't have a whole lot to add there. I I'd be surprised if this is not a close football game. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't really I still haven't made my final prediction. It, it's tough to pick Colorado to win this game. It's gonna be hot as hell down there. It's right. uh year two, even though they have so much changeover, there there is some continuity there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to expect going into yeah, this football game. And it's hard
1: to say, but I think one thing I see clearly, and again, it's you know, I don't have the time anymore to get up to Boulder and see what's going on there, even if they did let me in. But what comes through in these videos is, man, there's a team that wants it. There's a team that wants it real bad. And and every one of those guys has a chip on their shoulder and something to prove and they all like each other and they all plan for each other. And, you know, whether it's the military or, or football, you know, the best organizations I've been around are the ones where everybody's, everybody's there for each other, you know, uh, fighting for the guy next year, playing for the guy next year. And I, and I see a lot of that and I see, you know, Man, I I I I haven't seen since Bill McCartney a coach who could touch the heart of an issue and motivate like I've seen from Deion Sanders since he got the Boulder. I mean, some some of those speeches, man. You know, some of those like you know when he's before they go out to practice and they're in the team room and and he's got the screen up there and a lot of times he's got a theme or whatever and you know, uh, you know, and then he calls them out he's like, "What do you want?" what what do you want from your life? What do you what do you and I'm and sometimes it gets me, you know? I mean he really he like he talked about uh you know with his with his foot surgery and said I'm never gonna dance in the end zone again. I'm never gonna run like that again. But I got different goals now. I got different things to fight for there's always you know so I think there's a there's an element to this team that people are are underestimating and you know let's take that defensive line. You don't think a defensive line is going to play with their hair on fire for Sal Siri. Well, if you don't, you're going to wind up with a size 12 foot in your backside. So, and I think, you know, that offensive line, Bill O'Boyle is the kind of guy that you give that extra yard for, you know, to to, to, to try to be successful for that guy. So I do think uh, that there, there's an element of that from this coaching staff that is different than we've seen for a long time. And, you know, having been... In Bill McCartney's program for more years than uh, I can almost remember, I, it became sort of. Well, I thought that's how every coach was, right? You know, uh, and and they're not, and it makes a, it makes a huge difference. And it's not just on game day; it's not just that you go out going nuts on game day. You know, it's it's when you're down there in practice and it's a hundred degrees, and you got a coach that can. You know, fire you up in a variety of ways, that's when you really make the progress. And I think that's gonna make a huge difference here. So I kind of lost track of what the question was.
0: <laughs> no, you're good. Well, you mentioned inspiring speeches, and that cool. made me think of what Michael Irvin said to the team. And man, that gave me goosebumps. That was a hell of a speech. I don't know if you caught that, but
1: oh I didn't. What uh, part of it? what did he say?
0: He talked about, you know, the the people that are doubting them and also talked about the fact that what they're doing right now are going to create memories that they'll have for, for the rest of their lives. And uh, he just said it so eloquently and was su- such a passion that uh, you could see in the video, I, I think it was pretty much captured by well-off media and, and reached the people in and, and the pregame show. And you could see the eyes of the players looking at him and, and just see them getting inspired by what he was saying. It was pretty cool. Well, and I think
1: that has a bigger impact that people really understand – you're talking about young men, you know, and, and, and this is a game of passion and it's a game of faith. Okay. Uh, because if you don't believe in yourself and you don't believe in your team, you're not going to win. You're, you're going to go out there. This, this, this is a combat hand-to-hand combat sport. And when, it, when guys go out there, you know, I can't speak to the psychology of it. That's not my specialty, but, but when, when guys believe there's an extra something there. Okay. You know, you're able to make that extra half an inch, you know, to make that catch. You're able to make that extra move to, to, to get the sack, what have you. And every team for CU in the last five, six years, let's face it, man, they walked on the field, knowing they were getting beat. They knew it. They knew it. And that makes a huge difference. And this this team doesn't believe they're going to get beat because their head coach doesn't believe they're going to get beat. And look at the guys he's brought in repeatedly day after day, these Hall of Fame guys, you know, <laughs> uh, Terrell Owens and Michael Irvin. And and, and these guys, you, you know, when you have these young men, that's their dream is to be that guy. And your coach has brought that guy to stand there in front of you and tell you how to do it. Right. And so those guys want to live up to that. And they want to beat Terrell Owens and, and, and Michael Irvin and, and be the, that guy. So I think it makes a huge difference. It's not just, you know, that five minutes of motivation. I think it makes a difference and it changes guys' lives.
0: Well, let's, dump, uh, let's jump into the Buff Stampede mailbag, unless you have any other thoughts here as we close in on game one of the coach primary. Uh, not, I don't, I, I think, um, you know, you, the,
1: the, your topic was thoughts on the Primera. I guess. Um. I'm, I'm repeatedly and continuously blown away that, that this is happening to us. And I get a little bit emotional, and I think to myself, you know, I thought this program was pretty much done at the end of last season, and I didn't know. Somebody said on the board, you know, that there was some threat about Bronco Mendenhall, and I don't – you know, not necessarily to, to downplay Bronco Mendenhall or Rule or any of those other guys, but there is no other guy in America – who could have turned this program around with such speed and w- it with such I don't know such I don't know I can't think of words such, such such an amazing obvious it, it's just so
0: well, in terms of just bringing attention to yeah. the University of Colorado which you always hear the term it's the front porch of the university I don't yeah. think there's somebody that could have drawn as many eyeballs that that is on this planet yeah well and who and who, could have,
1: who could have brought these players we just talked about every position, Nick Saban,
0: maybe <laughs> it might be the only other person.
1: Right. Yeah. You know that, I mean, somebody of that level, you know, Saban or, or Kirby smart or somebody that like that would have been the guy. And, you know, we just went through all the positions and every position has somebody that's going to potentially be a star. Nobody could have done that. And, you know, we would have still been a little bit, you know, when you're making incremental change and then you're talking two or three years down the road before you get to six wins. Right. This ain't incremental change, brother. This ain't intramurals, brother. <laughs> this is this is wholesale change for the better, and I I I, I am I'm almost well. I'm if this to sound stupid, but I'm almost at
0: a loss for words. I don't think you are, William. You, you've had a lot of words already. <laughs> yeah. I just used to use them all up. I'm at a loss now. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Today's episode is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. Is your business looking for financial guidance and support, but not yet big enough to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hiring a fractional CFO who can work with your business on a part-time basis. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. And here's the best part it's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with us. For more information or to set up a meeting, please visit MacaulayCapital.com. That's M C C A U L E Y Capital.com. All right, William, we're really going to. Dive right into the heart of the issues here with the first question. Movie Buff asked, does Lightning McQueen get health insurance or car insurance? Well,
1: <laughs> is it time to start the season yet or what? <laughs>
0: yeah, it's time. It's
1: time. I think pretty clearly he has to get car insurance. I don't know. You know, it's like uh, he's still got pistons and parts and things like that. He doesn't go to a doctor, right?
0: That's true. Uh, My wife pointed out that there are no humans in this world, so maybe it's just insurance, right? I don't think you have to specify at that point.
1: Well, maybe you don't need insurance then if there's no humans.
0: But yeah, I'd love to see what a a hospital looks like for Lightning McQueen. Yeah, Is that like an oil change you got to go in every 3,000 miles? Yeah.
1: And then I I don't know, for some reason I started thinking that, what about Buzz Lightyear? But then I was like, oh, I guess he's human underneath all the stuff.
0: All right. We spent enough time on that D how eight, eight, eight asked, will the strength of the offense be the run game or the pass game? Yes. William, the the fact that you have to pause and think about that, but also think that both groups are going to be pretty explosive. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty cool for Colorado fans uh, going into the season to not realize which of those is going to be even better.
1: Well, and it leads you to a discussion, frankly, of Sean Lewis, okay, and and, I, and what I mean by that is his tendency prior to this year has been to be roughly 60% run versus pass, um, and there's no reason to go away from that this year, except that your wide receiver room is so ridiculous that why wouldn't you make that the strength of your, of your game, but I think you know, offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators after a while they 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 show who they are in their play calling. And so Sean Lewis, I think, is a run first kind of a guy. But I have I I I keep stopping and asking myself,
0: has he ever had this kind of talent at every position before
1: what, what, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, there's a,
0: there's a reason that he came here from Kent state as a head coach. Right. Right.
1: Right. And it's, so it's like, I don't know, you know, I'm trying to think of analogies and I'll do the best I can, but I'm like, you know, my whole life, I've mostly been driving regular you know, Toyotas cause I like Toyotas. and But, but what if somebody came and handed me the keys to the, to the Lamborghini dealership and said, take whatever you want. I might walk in there and just look around and go, I, I, I can't pick, you know, uh, because Holy crap, look at this. Um, I still think that, that that this will be a run first offense, but I also think that Sean Lewis is a phenomenal uh, offensive mind. And I think if our offense does what I expected to do this year, I don't know if he'll be back next year, but because I think he's that level of offensive guy. And so I don't think he's going to let guys like Xavier Weaver and, and Jimmy Horn and, and, and Travis Hunter and, and, you know, all these, and, and these guys go to waste. Okay. But if you're, if your run game working, you're right. I mean, that's always been my now offensive line coach say that's always been my thing. If, if your run game is working, you go with it until it stops because that's how you wear teams down and that's how you uh, dominate and control games. Right. Um, and the more your run game works, the easier it gets for those receivers because they start to creep guys up and trying to, to cheat, safeties and what have you. But uh I I would answer yes. I, I, I guess he didn't ask. He, did, he didn't list one. So I would say the run game will be the strength. It's sort of like, how do I put it? The, the run game will be the strength, but the pass game will be the uh highlights. Although... That's only- that's
0: a great way to put it. I think what you're trying to do if you're Sean Lewis is make them have to sell out anticipating the run. Right, right. And then they're going to take so many deep shots this year with the talent they have. And that's why I think Hankerson or
1: somebody like that or McCaskill is probably your lead back because you want to hammer, 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 right? Um, And to make them start having to do that. uh, But then you know what? If every time you hand off Dylan Edwards goes 90 yards, I I don't know. Maybe you're you're playing a second team by the second half. I don't know, but – uh, I, I still think that, that Sean, th- the basis of this offense is that run game and that direction that, and that sort of cr- uh, counter directional run game with pulling, the, pulling a, pulling a uh, lineman and what have you and, and opening up those creases that way. Uh, uh, so I, I do think that the run game will be the strength of the offense, but I don't think the passing game is going to be neglected with a quarterback and a, and a set of wide receivers like we got I think that people may be surprised uh, to see the value we get from the tight end position when you have a coach that knows how to use it. Because, you know, at at this point, you know, if you're going to sell out to try to cover the receivers or the running backs, then then Sean Lowe is the kind of guy that's got the brains to be able to figure out how to get the ball to the tight end and make you pay for it, even if our tight end is not great. So uh, I would say – yeah, I, I would say the run game will be the majority and the pass game will be what gets us on ESPN.
0: Just get Shadour Sanders into some bubble wrap for the next six days. Yeah. As long as he is there healthy during warmups against TCU, this is going to be a really fun offense to watch. Yeah. I, there's no question in my mind that this is going to be the most fun Colorado offense to watch in a really long time. 2016 was so predicated on the defense, making the big plays and uh, it's going to be fun to watch an offense where you're not just praying they get a first down, but you're surprised when they don't get a first down.
1: Well, I have to admit, you know, again, you know, my, my, my tendencies and pre elections is like watching that 2016 offense and, you know, watching Philip Lindsay and watching, uh, Sefo Lufau off tackle that a lot of fun to me, man. <laughs> and, you know, and the heart that those two kids had, you know, when, when there was no business getting the first down, I always felt like that did Sefo and, 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 and Philip would yeah. one way or the other, man, they were going to get it. And that was a lot of fun to have that kind of uh, confidence. You know, I was, uh, I was always – that year was always up behind a team way at the top of that section, and I was always sitting next to the families of uh, some of the players, and it was just – I never had any doubt that they were going to get that first down when they needed to get it, you know? And so that was exciting to me, even though it's not exciting to everybody else, you know, that that four yards and get that first down. And I'll tell you this, you know, I've coached enough defense over the years to know that that, that kills defense, man. You know, when they, they keep getting that first down, they – you know it it, it stabs a defense in the guts and they start to give up which i think we saw a lot that year so i don't know you know the, there's so many weapons i i have to go back to the, to the mid 90s to see the kind of weapons like we have on a CU team this year
0: what was a more sure thing, Sefo Lufau, short-yarded situation, keeping the ball, or yeah. LaVisca Chenault out of the Wildcat? They were both pretty automatic there. Yeah. If you look yeah. at late in 2016 versus LaVisca when they did that with him early, yeah, would well, well, that have been 2018?
1: Yeah, I think it was more, more effective in 2016. You know, at that Washington State game, I think there was like six or seven straight plays where Sufo, Sefo went off tackle and got three or four yards, you know, and they couldn't stop it. You know.
0: All right. Philly Buff asked Should Dion have used the majority of the remaining scholarships for this year on G five slash FCS or best available graduate level backups to fill out the remaining needs on the roster. Specifically, guys with one year of eligibility remain who would have been gone after this season. I'm so in a per- it, right? well no. <laughs> Let me just say real quick that in a perfect world, obviously, you'd have 85 guys that came up from G5 to FCS to fill in some of those remaining gaps to compete and try to be a starter. But you, playing time is a currency, even in this NIL era, guys are going to do their vetting and they're going to find out how likely it is for them to get on the field at a certain place. And you're talking about a guy with one year of eligibility remaining. He's not going to be a great locker room guy if he's not playing, right? So right. in a perfect world, yes, you'd have a bunch of guys that are Roderick Ward types that are just gonna fill up depth at every position, but it's pretty hard to ask a coaching staff to figure out uh guys that are willing to do that. That that's you resources and time is a big resource, is is something that you can't waste. And so uh I feel like they did a pretty good job of trying to do that, but you're just not going to have in one off season any more than what they were able to accomplish from the transfer market, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And I, and I, and, and that sort of leads into what I was going to say is I reject the premise of this question. This suggests that they didn't try to do that, which they did try to do that. But at the end of the day, like you said, you know, you're not going to get a bunch of guys that come in here to clearly be backups. And I think, I think they try to find guys to fill, fill holes, but I don't think this coach staff wanted warm bodies in the locker room. You know, because very clearly the chemistry of the locker room and, and having the right mentality was more important than having warm bodies in the locker room. And I think what we're talking about in this question is, it, it, was it just enough to have a warm body on the sideline? And and this coaching staff didn't want that. People sort of seem to assume that, you know, like way back at the beginning, like, you know, we're going to fill this all of our defensive tackle spots well, first of all, it assumes there's enough guys out there that want those positions. Well, everybody listed all the guys that were available. Great. All right. Well, now you got to get them to come here. And as good a recruiter as, as uh, Dion and his coaching staff have proven to be, you don't win all the battles, man. You know. And so I think they probably made some decisions. I think they had a lot of conversations in that war room and said, we're not taking that guy. We need a guy at that position, but we're not taking that guy. Cause he's not good enough or he doesn't have the right mentality, you know? And I think there's probably a, quite a few guys they wrote off, not for physical ability reasons, but because they didn't have it up here or in here the way that this coaching staff wants it. So I think they tried to do that, to fill all those spots on the roster. And I don't think they found enough guys that w- would come here to do it.
0: There are a lot of really good walk-ons in this program too. Yeah. When you look at Charlie Offerdahl and Solomon in the defensive backfield. Uh who'd you say? Uh Yelverton, a tight end. You know Yelverton at tight end. Even uh Mike Michael Harrison. I almost said yeah, Michael right. Harrison. Tim Brewster wouldn't like that. Right, yeah. I know I'm missing a big one too. Uh, there's uh, right. there's some there's some good walk-ons in this program. Oh um uh slot receiver mathis caleb mathis yeah,
1: right you know guy, guys guys who are otherwise uh you know scholarship guys who came here as walk ons you know um yelverton was the tight end who was injured was a and took a few years off right
0: yeah
1: yeah okay so i mean that's a quality that's a quality addition, right and so i think a lot of people are looking at this like well why didn't dion i, I see this every time every now and then on the board why didn't why didn't dion fill these spots with guys well, it's not a supermarket, man. You don't just get to pick them off the shelf and buy them. Well, I mean, okay, you, Georgia,
0: you you know, if you... Georgia can, yeah. We'll
1: get to that in a minute. <laughs> but, yeah, some some programs can do that, but we cannot. And, more importantly, Dion doesn't want to. He made that very clear. We'll talk about that more in a minute, one of these questions, I think.
0: Duster for real asked, player likely to surprise slash blow up? Rumor unit, you think outperforms expectations. This is a fun question. The first thing that popped in my head, William, was that the, there's a guy on this roster that people aren't talking a lot about that. I think they will be in a few weeks. And that's Jacques Robinson. Oh yeah. Uh, who I predicted to be their starting star. Yeah. He was banged up earlier in the preseason. Maybe that had a little bit to do with the fact that he just hasn't been talked about a lot, but a guy that's played corner has played safety was starting to come on at Alabama, starting to see an increased role. Obviously Charles Kelly, very knows his game intimately recruited him over here. And I think he's got a guy that is going to be a big key to this defense here in 2023. And I'm going to do this. Bless you, my son,
1: Bishop. That's all I got to say. Bishop Thomas, man, that kid's going to blow this thing up in a big way. And on the other side of the ball, uh, we've already started to see it, I think, and people are starting to grasp onto it. Uh, But. I'd be real shocked if uh, Jared Lichtenhan doesn't play his way into a high draft pick. Maybe not next year, but uh, if he ain't one of the better left tackles in this conference and in the country, I'll be very surprised.
0: How much did the fact that Bishop Thomas was singing karaoke on the yoga mic uh, to Backstreet Boys played into you wanting to bring that up? How
1: much do you think it played into it? (laughs)
0: 100%.
1: Exactly, man. How'd you know? You know me so well. Uh, I I think Bishop Thomas is, you know, people talk about the SEC defensive tackles and here he is, man. You know, I mean, he's, he's just explosive and quick. And uh, I'm trying to think back in the old days, he's, he's Joel Steed, man, you know Um, except funnier than Joel was, but uh, he's just got that, that extra. He got that thing, you know, and, and, He's going to make some linemen look really stupid. We haven't had a guy in the middle like him for a long time.
0: I think the motto of the show going forward needs to be Buff Stampede Radio, where you come and get your dad jokes. What do you think? Yeah,
1: Yeah, something like that. Or or maybe maybe we ought to go karaoke one of these times.
0: You do not want to hear me sing. Oh, they don't want to hear me sing either, brother. (laughs) Dude, we were never better asked. How many weeks before the offense gels and puts a complete game together? Same for the D.
1: I'll be shocked that offense isn't, isn't clicking in game
0: one. Give me two or three drives for the offense defense. Right. I don't know. I I think that's, I have a feeling that the defense is going to be kind of yo-yo this year. I I think there's some really talented pieces there and when it comes together, that's going to be a group that's going to be pretty darn good. But I mentioned run defense maybe is a concern of mine going into the season. I think there's going to be a few weeks where when maybe that defense doesn't look as good as yeah. Colorado fans want. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I, I think week two, if they could show up against Nebraska, uh, at least gel in time for that. That that would be obviously big.
1: I think this defense right from the start is going to be one where there's big plays and then there's big mistakes. And I think you're going to see you got guys on this defense who can make the spectacular, you know, uh, uh, Sports Center of play at a week play. And then you're gonna have guys miss assignments and, and and guys not fit in the right place right out right, right have her. So I think the defense is gonna be both exciting and sometimes frustrating. But I would be surprised if that offense isn't clicking from from game one. And part of that has to do again with Sean Lewis as a brilliant play caller, man. He's 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 gonna let them ease into it. You know, he's gonna open up the game with things that let Shadur get confidence, let the receivers and everybody else in the offensive line get confidence. Um, and he's not going to set them up for failure the way our our recent offensive coordinators have. So, I I don't think you got to wait any time at all for that offense to gel. Um, you know, and I think uh having if Bailey starts, I think having two guys that have played in this offense for the last two or three years is going to be a big part of that. Two offensive linemen, I mean. Me.
0: S2S Buff asked, what's the deal with Juwan Mitchell? Is he on the team? And he asked that question before right. Juwan Juju Mitchell was shown right. on Well Off Media practicing. All right, all right, what's the
1: your name? I'm J.J. Mitchell. <laughs> that pretty much cleared that up. He looked good, too, boy. That's what a big SEC linebacker looks like.
0: Yeah. Made plays at Texas, made plays at Tennessee, was going to probably be a starter at Arizona State. Talk back to a coach, and you know that Kenny Dillingham he's trying to set a standard there, just like Coach Prime is setting a standard right. here. You would think that Juju Mitchell would see at this point, this is kind of my last opportunity in terms right. of college football this year, so maybe well, don't do that again. But uh, when well,
1: I would guarantee, you know, I I, I would bet a, a paycheck that that there was a one on one with him and Dion, and Dion said, well, yeah. "This is how it is." And there is no room for there is no margin. You will do things my way, or you will be gone. And you know, if the kid has any kind of brains whatsoever, I think it's I think it's also different to hear that from a from a Hall of Famer. Um, I think there's a I think there's an element. I, I heard Dion on the field on in practice one day last week say something like, "Hey, I don't know. You know, you don't have to listen to me. It's not like I ever played this game or anything." There's a there's an element of uh, respect, I think, that goes with him because of his ability to play the game as a head coach, and and so we'll see. I think you know I, I'm sure that there was a meeting there, and that that Juwan was was told what the parameters are, and you know now it's up to him to do that or not. I don't think there's going to be. I don't think this it, is going to be a team where where players are allowed to get much leeway in that way.
0: If you don't respect Coach Prime right. in that sense, then. You never saw any clips of the man play football. It was right. right. Uh it, you can count on on your hands the number of athletes, it, it, at least for myself, talking for myself in my lifetime, that are just were true difference makers. And he's on a very short list when yeah. it comes to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, in terms of defensive backs, Ronnie lost the only other guy that comes to my mind off the top of my head. But the other thing about Coach Prime was that it wasn't just town, he was a hard working guy. And serious as a heart attack. And I think that's what still people miss about him. They think flash, flash, flash. This guy is deep and serious when it comes down to it.
0: Ugly Rat asked How effective is the Buffs for Life Collective at being an asset for CU in recruiting high profile players? It is not much of uh, an asset in terms of recruiting high profile players. It has had a role with helping out some of maybe those lesser known guys on the roster, but the high profile players are getting the legit NIL deals, the Travis hunters, the Shadur Sanders. And, uh, you know, obviously there is not a collective at Colorado right now to have the backups at positions getting big money, but bus for life is at least try to step up and maybe it was a little bit late to the game in terms of getting that collective together. Uh, but, I mean, pretty much everything else Rick George has done recently has been perfect. So, uh, yeah. I, I think he's he's worked his way back into the good graces of Colorado fans, and, and rightfully so, based on uh, early with the fundraising that he did. Uh, finally, you know, getting on board with needing some of these transfer restrictions to change, and then landing Coach Prime. You know, Coach Prime has made it very clear it was something about Rick George that sold him on Colorado. And if George wasn't here, Deion Sanders wouldn't be the head coach in Colorado. There's no question about that.
1: And, and he's also been very clear that the guys that want the big NIL bucks is not the guys he wants. Now, maybe that's playing into reality or maybe that's, uh, you know, understanding that, that chemistry is as much a part of this particular team as, as uh, a talent. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I would push back to some extent and people call me naive if they want to, but... I don't know that the NIL is as big as people think it is. And, and may, maybe at the top five or 10 level, perhaps. Maybe. If you're
0: trying to be in the college football playoff, I think it does matter. Yeah. It, it, it
1: matters to some extent, but you know, um, you know, Travis Hunter didn't go anywhere because of the NIL. He went because he had a relationship with a guy. Okay. And that still is a big part of this game um, and a big part of recruiting. And And some people want to make it about the money and, and, you know, it's always been about relationships and and that element of recruiting too. So I don't know that the NIL is as much as people think it is, but uh, at where we are as a program right now, it's not the deciding factor. Now, you know, if we get a six or seven win season and and we want to finish in the top 10 recruiting, maybe it becomes a factor. I don't know, but um, uh, I'm not sold on the idea that NIL is the be-all and end-all that some people think it is.
0: All right, let's go on to our next question here, and it is from Solomons J. He asked, where do you anticipate this next high school class and transfer class will finish as far as rankings go? Uh, It's going to be tough from a high school ranking standpoint in the sense that they're not going to take a big class. And so I'm trying to look it up right now. Yeah, Colorado is ranking a little lower in the Big 12. Now we got to talk about that in terms of the recruiting rankings, looking for the future. But their average per commit is actually first in the Big 12 right now. So it's going to be more quality over quantity. And I had to anticipate them having a big transfer class again. And uh, you do the combined class, I think it's going to look pretty good. It's going to be top 25, I would think.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it depends really. Uh, I think a lot depends on how the season plays out. You know, the the the, the recruiting line against Dion this year, was it? it's not going to work, you know, And but if we go out and get six or seven wins, all of a sudden that blows the lid off things. And maybe it ends up being a lot higher than we expect.
0: Yeah. All right. Scobuffs 80 asked, what will coach prime do if people rush the field in week two, extra security around him? It's actually a good question. They, they better have a plan for that.
1: Well, I mean, you know, if we, yeah, we, we beat Nebraska and it's going to be mayhem in there. I'm not sure they're, they're, Quite anticipated that I don't don't imagine they had that kind of mayhem at Jackson State, but I don't really know.
0: Uh, you, you'd probably want twenty security guys minimum, just focused on Coach Prime, just to just to be extra cautious. I would think.
1: Well, and I yeah, and I can recall back in the day, you know, late '80s and early '90s and stuff, when we were that that team. Um, you know, that they lined the whole field at the end of the game with security and, and cops and and uh, what have you. Uh, I don't know that you can keep them from doing it. You know, when a human wave's coming down, you're gonna get the hell out of the way.
0: But I, I don't know if that's possible at Folsom Field. Right, I mean, right. you're gonna to have to really dedicate a lot of resources into right. preventing that. And they just rushed the field against Cal last year. Maybe you beat Nebraska, you welcome down <laughs> welcome the fans down right. on the field. That probably would yeah, be the right call. You know,
1: that's- Right. And I think that and I don't think there's a danger in this, I don't I don't see that there's a danger to Deion Sanders. I'm not sure there's anybody out to get him, but the cr-
0: There's more of a danger. Sorry to cut you off. I think there's more of a danger if you try to keep people from coming down right. on the field honestly. Right. Right. Then people get
1: mad or whatever. But yeah, if you just let them down and, and so there's not pushing and shoving, then it's orderly and I don't see a problem with it. You know, we've had we've had the, the crowd down on the field before and hasn't ever been a problem and i think and i think and I think, I think i think prime would welcome that i mean i think he i think he's a guy that that uh thrives off the fans and the you know the the energy and what have you and
0: you got to be smart about it though yeah you know it takes one person to be an idiot to you know do something they shouldn't uh i don't know i would be i would err on the side of caution when it comes to that um but yeah you know but like
1: you said there's you know you know you got 50,000 people plus in there you're kind of limited in what you can do.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the people rushing the field, especially at Folsom and down on the, what is that, the the south end zone. I mean, they have momentum on their side too. I would not want to be a security guy trying to keep people from getting on that uh, field. No, no, no. You're going
1: to get somebody killed.
0: Scobuffs71085 uh, asked, how do you feel about avocado toast?
1: I didn't realize we had more than one Scobuffs, but look, at there it is. You learn things, see? Do you um, want to lead I'm, off here? Uh, uh, well, well, yeah. Quite frankly, to me, avocado and and guacamole is like eating snot, so I don't eat it. But hey, knock yourself out if you like it. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a test. I don't think it's a testament to your manhood one way or the other. If I liked it, I'd eat it. and, <laughs> uh, You know, be proud of it. But
0: uh, I don't like avocado. I think it's nasty. Okay. Even guacamole. Guacamole is delicious. Uh, I, I don't. Put it, I don't but like the, that taste the mouth feel
1: of it i i don't know it just grows to me it is it, it's, it's like i said it, it it feels like mucus so uh i'm not an avocado guy if you are good for you doesn't doesn't make you less of a man in my view but uh like yourself out trout buff you go brother heavy you with your avocado toast
0: well coach prime is a big sponsor for avocado in case that matters at all uh i'm pretty neutral on it my our youngest She loves avocado toast, so I'll I'll go pro on that. AZ History Buff 13 asked Do snakes have long necks in short tails or long tails in short necks?
1: I don't think they got either one.
0: Before we get into this, so the whole ecosystem would just fall apart if snakes disappeared, right?
1: Well, that's 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 you know, I always thought that was funny. People think the humans are so important. It's like, you know, well, you take humans off the planet, everything gets better. You you take bacteria and mold and and snakes and, and insects out the plant and everything comes to a crashing halt. So there you go. Okay.
0: That being well, I, said, I have a know. I have a deep rooted hatred for snakes and it's oh, really not really it's not really rational, but I, I'm a runner when my I'm not hobbling around in a walking boot like I am right now because of my Achilles, but I have had the jump out of my skin moments with snakes that look like twigs. And then you get up close on them instead yeah. of like you, you have a choice to either step on them or jump out of your skin. And so uh, that's part of it. Um, and the way they move creeps me the heck out. Like I just, I can't do
1: it. You wouldn't have been, you would have been hanging out with Chad Brown and his whole warehouse of snakes.
0: I would know where Chad Brown lives and I would make sure that I'm in a different zip code <laughs> from Chad Brown. When I,
1: when I was in the Navy, uh, we I worked on F-14s at Miramar and the flight deck would get, or the runway was get really hot and, and it would maintain heat during the night. And then you come out in the morning, one unusual to find snakes cold around the, the front nose gear of the airplanes. And there were always big rattlesnakes. We'd always go out there and, you know, like, all right, who's going to chop his head off? I guess I'm going to get me in trouble with PETA, but uh,
0: I would have been in the front row cheering you guys on. <laughs> Seriously, I... I wish I could change that, but that's like, everybody's got their thing, right? The one thing that they have fear over or that just grosses them out. That's it for me. Um, so, so, you're,
1: so you're Indiana Jones. Why has it got to be snakes?
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I laughed. So we, my wife and I are doing a project where we watched the AFI's top 100 movie list and Raiders of the Lost Ark was on there recently. And yeah. I, I laughed louder than I should have at that line. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Why is it going to be snakes?
0: Movie buff did respond to this question. And I, I don't know how we're going to come up with a better answer here. He said, if you look at the anatomy, technically both are short with the body slash abdomen taking up the majority of the animal. So, uh, we've even got the uh, semi-scientific take on this. I, I think. And I'm, was-
1: noticing, I, I'm noticing that we started the mailbag with movie buff asking about Lightning McQueen, and we're finishing the mailbag with movie buff talking about the anatomy of snakes. Yeah, movie buff. I'm a little concerned about you, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like you said, and and we feel that we have to have some football games to talk about. Unfortunately, we do. It's coming up on Saturday. In Fort Worth, Texas against the Horn Frogs. William, uh the next time we talk on this podcast, we're gonna have a lot to talk about.
1: We're not gonna put each other on the spot, or we're gonna make a prediction.
0: Uh yeah, go go for it.
1: Well I well I am not I was hoping you <laughs> I'm not sure I'm ready. Uh oh my goodness. Uh put me down for six and six. As a as for the season or uh yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think. I, I think I would say six and six, with uh, with a with with a hopeful for more. I think we win game one. I think. I think. Honest to be come out of the shoots three and zero, but we'll see how it goes.
0: Wow. Okay. Do you think you're going to predict a, a win for the opener? Yes. Okay. All right. I'm not going to. I, I don't know what to say for
1: a score. I think it'll be a lot of
0: points scored. But. If you can't tell, I'm going to kind of try to avoid this as much as possible because uh, (laughs) no matter what you say, you're going to have a lot of people coming at you. Right. And and people,
1: people seem to be keeping receipts these days. And so whatever,
0: I have no idea. Like this is going to be the hardest season opener to project. Right. But gosh, I will be really surprised if, if Colorado gets blown out. I just don't see that
1: happening. Right. If it's not competitive right now, I I would be more, I, I would I would not be as surprised by see you blowing them out as them blowing us out. Quite frankly, I don't think that'll happen, but uh, I think it'll be competitive down at the end. But I, but I, I think we've got more weapons than they do.
0: All right, William. Unless you have anything else you want to add, I say let's hit. Uh, let's end this show and uh, venture into that season opener with some right. optimism and, and hope, and then uh, come back and share our thoughts on what we saw. Yeah, what do they say in the movies and scene? And <laughs> scene. And thanks to everybody out there, as always, for tuning in.